think in my job search, I've encountered some challenges, I think just with lack of experience due to my age. And I think that's something that a lot of people in college and coming out of college experience. And right now, at least what I'm trying to hone in on is what type of lifestyle do I want? You know, like these jobs that want you to travel a lot or you need to work in a different time zone or you have to work specific hours. To me, that was always a concept before, and now it's very real. Well, tis the season. College seniors are graduating, and some still don't have full-time jobs. Your job search will take time and planning, but where do you start? Hi, this is Diana Burnell O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. Today, we talk with Maya in Chicago, who just graduated and is looking for her first full-time job after college. We talk about how to be efficient in your job search and how to figure out what elements of the job might be negotiable, like salary or location. And we discuss how focusing on your interests and passions can be a great place to start. If you need help with your job search or know a college grad who does, check out our services at jobtalkweekly.com. Let's jump in. Hey, Maya, welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Diana. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited to talk to recent college graduates. So tell us when you graduated and what you've been doing. I graduated about a month ago from DePaul University in March of 2022. I officially walk in June. So right now I've been looking at full-time jobs. I currently host, edit, and produce my own podcast called Vibe and Cultivate. So I've been working on expanding that. Um, however, that is not my my only thing that I do. So I'm still looking at what I can do as permanent full-time work here in Chicago. I'm open to looking at remote jobs, in-person, with COVID. Everything is still very up in the air when it comes to that. But um, I've been just trying to keep busy, stay connected with people, network, things like that. Smart. And that's how you and I found each other, by the way. I want to do a shout out to Maya because you used our alumni network to find me. And I did an episode last year about using your alumni. So this is a great example of where that could lead. So thank you for finding me, Maya. But why don't you talk to me about where you want to be in a couple of years? Because you mentioned you have a podcast. You have very Um, distinct interests already. So if you were to map out where you would like to see yourself in three years or five years, whatever number works for you, what do you want to be doing? Well, whenever I'm asked that question, rather than focusing on numeric goals or specific salary goals or anything like that, I like to focus on what drives me and what my purpose is or what I feel like it is. And I've always really loved working with students. I worked with freshman basically my entire time at DePaul minus my senior year and I loved it I got the experience of teaching a class of mentoring um, coaching all these different things and I really enjoyed it and then through working with so many students and through working in nonprofits for about five six years I learned that that was something that I really connected with and that like working with children was something that deeply resonated with me, not that 18, 19 year olds are children, but Almost. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I mean, I felt like a child when I was 18. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I found that one of the most pressing issues facing people in my generation and younger is mental health and yeah. having that education about how to take care of yourself mentally and physically. And that's how I created my podcast. Well, one of the things that is really helpful right here is that you know one of your interests, and it's a skill that you have. Don't underestimate the power of what you have, and that's working with young people. Working with teenagers, that's not something that a lot of people can do or want to do. So the fact that you have that experience and that you enjoy it, right there, you've got a combination of something that could be a potential match for you. So as you go out into the workforce, you know, I would definitely start looking at organizations, whether it's boys and girls clubs or schools or a lot of nonprofits in Chicago, where they bring kids together, right? Or where they're trying to help kids advance from one stage in their life to another, or even at the university. So where are the biggest challenges for you in your job search right now? Right now, given that most of the the job application process still takes place online, interviews are online, um, the entire application process, everything. Yeah. Um, I'm still getting used to that. I know people assume that young people are just proficient in everything. We don't, we don't want to leave the house. We don't, <laughs> you know, we can't complain, but it's like, I love being face to face with people and in an office, you know, you get to plan out what you wear, how you present yourself. Like that was always my thing. So not having that, I feel like that took away something from the process. And now you're just a number that gets put into this, um, whatever they call it, the thing that scans your resume. The ATS, the dreaded applicant tracking system. Well, you know, one thing that could be really helpful for you is to go out of your way to start doing some networking and try and do it in person. And mm. there are a lot of jobs right now that when I look online, I see remote, I see hybrid, but I also see in office. And I also yeah. hear of a lot of people who don't want in office anymore. They were spoiled during the pandemic, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, but there's a lot of people who don't want to go back or as they're being required to come back over these past, these next couple of months, um, you might see them leaving. So the fact that you want to go to an office, again, is a real plus. But let's talk about networking. Do you have some ideas of organizations that you'd love to work for or people who are out there doing community work that you think is interesting and how you can make some connections with these people? I think for companies I would want to work with, I feel like I have a, a section in my brain that's, you know, a list of places like that. And then I have another list that's, you know, places that are doing the work that are amazing, that work with that same demographic that I also love working with. But the issue when I'm, I'm thinking of nonprofits in this situation, yeah. um, especially um, in Chicago with the cost of living overall being lower, the salaries, especially nonprofits are just much, much lower. And for me, I just, I just couldn't do it. I did go through that process. I interviewed for a job that was a director level at a, it wasn't even a local nonprofit, actually. It was a national nonprofit, but um, I don't know, because of budget cuts or something, they, they cut the salary. Well, you know, 
here's what I want you to do. You mentioned that in your head, you have a list of places that you're interested in. So let's get that list either on paper or in the computer. Because what you want to do is sort of start doing some matchmaking, like, okay, here are the organizations that I'm interested in. And it could be direct service organizations, like the one you mentioned. It could be major foundations. There are many huge institutional foundations in the city of Chicago that support that type of work. Okay, Um, and then your list will grow and then you need to then start looking at your skills. Okay, what are the skills that I can offer these people? And even though you are going to be, you know, just now graduating and your resume will be one page, we've got to figure out a way to present your skills in an organized way that is still compelling. So you don't want to just list every little internship you had or every little special project, but you want to take a look at your skills and start to see, okay, where are the themes? What are the things that I know I'm good at and I enjoy doing? That way you can start matching up. Okay, well, I'm really good at, you know, digital space, platforms, websites, so you can start looking at digital jobs at some of these nonprofits. You know, that that's just one example of how you can start matching up your skill set at places that interest you. But I will say the nonprofit conundrum is real in the sense that mm-hmm. they don't pay as much as private corporations. And there's two ways to sort of tackle that. You know, some people go work in private corporations for the first five years and they, you know, they pay off their student loans and they accumulate some funds and then they make a transition to nonprofit. So let's look at that. Are there other private companies that might pay more that you might have an interest because of maybe the product or the service that they do? Yes, absolutely. And actually, as you said, compile a list. The first company I thought of was Athleta, the clothing brand. Um, And as I've been job searching, they do have a current opening for their podcast that they're starting called Athleta Well. Oh, my gosh. Yes, they're hiring a producer for it. And I was like, oh, my God, how perfect. Um, okay, you're going to have to hang up the phone with me very fast and go <laughs> and pursue go that job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I think that is very different today. I think when I graduated college, I don't think I would have seen a lot of private corporations that cared about wellness or things like that. But I think it's a whole new environment today. And some of those opportunities are going to be remote. So it's good that you are open to remote, even though I appreciate you wanting to be in the office because I'm that person too. Um, but definitely make a list of each of these, the nonprofits that are more mission-driven or some of these companies where you can come in and start working at least in a field that is of interest or that sort of helps round out the Maya story, right? Because if you're doing mm-hmm. a podcast on on certain issues, you know, you want your day job to also reflect or be in the same space, right? You don't want to be so yeah. um, at the other end of the spectrum. Absolutely. Um, One particular skill that I developed while at DePaul was working internationally. I was a project manager on a team for an international business class. I just got opened up to this whole new world. And, you know, I've been reaching out to that old professor, talking to her. And she was saying, you know, leverage this in your applications. Please, like, apply to international jobs because I'm, I'm multilingual. I speak Spanish and Mandarin. Yeah. And she was like, why aren't you using this? Like, why would you not? That is huge. Um, Yeah. So um, she was kind of helping me navigate that. Um, I haven't applied to too many jobs that were global. um, And typically the pool of applicants for jobs like that are a bit 
farther along in their careers. Um, yeah, but, but you just said, saying, Maya, yeah. let me jump in. You said one thing yeah. that is going to be of great interest to a lot of employers. You are trilingual. You know English, you know Spanish, and you know Mandarin. I would put that high on your resume. I would put that as one of the first things that people see. Maybe mm-hmm. um, a, a summary, a professional summary that says, you know, experienced project manager, uh, fluent in Mandarin and Spanish, who has done X, Y, Z. I mean, you want to lead with that um, because I think that's going to be relevant for a lot of different companies. And here I am in Southern California, and I can tell you that people with those particular languages, as a matter of fact, um, are of great interest to us. So don't don't um, forget that things that you take for granted of being multilingual are really helpful in the workplace. Yeah, I, I think in my job search, I've encountered some challenges, I think just with lack of experience due to my age. And I think that's something that a lot of people in college and coming out of college experience. And right now, at least what I'm trying to hone in on is what type of lifestyle do I want? You know, like these jobs that want you to travel a lot or you need to work in a different time zone or you have to work specific hours. To me, that was always a concept before. And now it's very real. Mm -hmm. And I last week I had a lead on a job with a very, very big company, and they're making the transition to working in person again for their whole company. And they said, okay, like, there's this position, but you would have to move to Oregon. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about Oregon? Honestly, I don't want to live in Oregon. (laughs) But, like, in that moment, I felt kind of pressured to say, oh, yeah, sure, like, of course, but my whole life is here, and I didn't actually want that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's one of the things, then, that you might want to consider is let's make a list, Maya, of things that are important to you. And in that comes location, Um, because now is a time in your life when traveling and moving and living someplace else can be easily done. You don't have a mortgage. You don't have dependents. You can just pick up and leave that apartment and go. Um, But it also depends upon what you want out of life. Like, I wouldn't be interested in Oregon because I like city life. You know, I like Chicago. I like downtown Chicago. I like Lincoln Park. I love the whole thing. So you've got to figure out, like, what's your space? Where do you want to be? Because that way, when this job offer comes up, you can say, no, I'm not interested in Oregon. Or if you go through and look at the lists of things that you really enjoy doing and how you want to spend your time outside of work, you might be like, okay, here are the three or four cities where I could move to. You know, see where you've got friends and family if that's important to you. And do have a list of a couple of places where you could go because you might be surprised. I mean, I always thought I'd be born and raised in Chicago and stay there forever. And then I got a job offered to come to L.A. And it wasn't on my radar, but it was one of the best things that I didn't know that I needed at the time. So start thinking about the qualities of a city that really engage you. I mean, you're from California, right? Yes. Yeah, so you've got some perspective on the West Coast and what it's like to live where it's not 30 below. So think about (laughs) what's important to you. That way you can be more prepared for that answer because what you don't want to happen, and it sounds like you caught yourself here, but like you could get really excited about the company or the job, and then they say, oh, but we want you to come out to Oregon, and you don't want to be persuaded into that if it doesn't meet your original wants and desires. Right, exactly. And I feel like that is pretty common, especially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're 
in more of an entry-level position and maybe some people feel like oh well you don't get to pick where you go or you don't get to like make yes that you decision. do yes you do <laughs> We have free yeah. will. You absolutely can pick and choose where you go, especially because today's market is just built for college grads because there is so much disruption. You know, the pandemic really changed so much. And there are companies that are struggling to find people. They're always struggling to find the right people. I mean, let's be clear. And as other people quit, they move around. Once you get into a company, you might be pleasantly surprised by how quickly you can move up. So really, I think it's more of a buyer's market than than people realize. Wow, I didn't know that. I hope so. Let's see. I mean, but, you know, we've always got to find the right person and it's all about the right fit for you. So, you know, a company could have 100 jobs open, but if you're not interested in working for a tobacco company, then it doesn't matter how much they pay. It doesn't matter um, what the jobs are. It's just not right for you. And similarly, you might have a great skill set, but if that's not what a company needs right now, it's not a match. But I would be Mm -hmm. very hopeful and optimistic for our Gen Z recent grads. I mean, what are your friends what are your classmates finding out there actually um i don't really have that many people that i can directly relate to right now i have a couple friends um who graduated about a year ago who are Mm. of a different class and Mm -hmm. you know they graduated early they had that experience i'm the only one really right now so everybody else um as is super common, you know, they're taking an extra quarter or even an extra year, they're taking time off. Um, so I think a lot of people are going to be hit by the wave of, of adulthood right after commencement in June. Yeah. Um, then they're going to be like, oh my God, scrambling to find a full-time job. Um, how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Well, one thing can I suggest then, too, is that if you don't have a lot of people in your social circle who are in the same boat as you, meaning they have just graduated college, either they're graduating in June or they've graduated in December in the winter semester, whatever, you might need to find that group because that Mm -hmm. will be a terrific support system. You know, you guys can bounce ideas off each other. You can even share jobs. It's not a competition. You know, if you weren't meant for this other job, then send it to your friend. You know, it's just really helpful, I find, to be with other people who can really relate to exactly what you're going through. And that's, you know, unemployed and recently Mm -hmm. college grad, but you're looking for that next thing and you don't know what that is. But that's exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. So what other challenges are you having? How else can we help? So when it comes to negotiation, there's a lot of things that fall under that. But some of the things that I've encountered is trying to negotiate remote work for if if something is listed in another location and you want to be remote, strategies on how to do that. Um, If you need more flexible hours um, and salary negotiation. I know those are three super different things. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but let's let's take them one yeah. at a time. And I think the one about office space is so new for everyone because this wouldn't have been the same conversation five years ago. But here we are. When you look online, you see a lot of jobs that lead with remote. You know, I actually got just the other day an email and it was a recruiter looking for, you know, jobs. And he, it, in the subject line, they put hybrid options. I mean, they are really selling the hybrid or the remote. So if a company is already listing remote or hybrid, you know they're open to it. 
there are a lot of companies who, for whatever reason, they can't, they're not interested, they're a little bit behind the ball, but they're saying in office. So, you know, I'm always one that thinks that you should really try and go for this great job at the right company if it's a right fit for you and then see what you can negotiate. But if the company is being upfront that this is in person in Oregon, then I don't know that I would spend my time there versus some of these other places that are either remote or in the city of Chicago. So I think you've got to be a little bit realistic and try and just prioritize some of the places that already have the work location that you're looking for. Um, Never say never, but I mean, we are in a place where recruiters, you know, the HR managers have to be tired of this question. So they're putting it out there, what they're looking for and where they can have you. And if they say hybrid and remote, then then go for it. Um, But the key to asking something like that is to just make sure that you have, you know, a good conversation, that you're interested in the job, but that you are also interested in remote and just see, is this an option for this job? And if it's that important to you, if you really don't want to go to Oregon and you want to be remote, then you have to be honest up front because otherwise you're not doing them any favors and it's not a good use of your time either. Yeah. Okay. And then the other one was salary, which is always fun to negotiate. And I think for a college grad, what I would say is, look, remind yourself that you have more than you give yourself credit for. You know, you might be thinking, oh, you know, I just graduated college and I don't have another job to come from. But there are things that you have been doing over the past few years, and we want to package them up in a compelling way on your resume. And there is value in that. There is value in your interest and your skills. And so what you want to do is a little bit of research. Make sure you go online, and that's why talking to other friends is going to be really helpful. That way, if you're going out for, you know, digital media coordinator, they can tell you the other offers they've seen, the things that they've heard out there. That way, when you are negotiating a salary, what you want to do is, you know, you want to base it on the market. You know, it's not about your college student loans. It's not about your apartment. And I know you know that, but I think you want to just say, you know, based on what I've seen in the market, this job pays, you know, $65,000. And so I was hoping that there would be, you know, some room in the budget uh, for sixty five if they don't offer you something like, you know, what you're already looking for. Right. Okay. Thank okay, you. so what was the other one? We did salary, we did location, and what was the other negotiation? And more flexible hours. Um, I will say I did have a previous job experience mm. where when it came to hours, it was just way too much. And when it came to having those boundaries between work and home and your personal life, I was I was working until 1 to 3 in the morning. Wow. And it was just not the best environment. Yeah. And so I learned from that experience that I need to have outlined before I even start a job, like what is expected. And if it's the type of environment where they have, you know, a list of responsibilities that's five pages long. And then they say, okay, you work early mornings, late nights and weekends. I already know I don't want something like that. Yeah. You know, we did a great episode not too long ago about remote work with Lauren Haggerty. And she's been remote for years, well before it was popular. And she talked about the importance of communication. And even during the interview process, asking questions like, well, how does this team communicate? Especially if we know that someone or many of the people, if not all, are remote. Like, what are the required meetings? I always thought that was a good question. Like, what are the required meetings that I must attend? Can I attend remotely? 
or in person? What other ways do we all communicate? And what are those expectations of answering calls? You know, there are places, like you said, that, you know, they will expect you to respond on a weekend. But if you get a manager that you're having a conversation with and they say, you know, we pretty much shut down on the weekend, then you're like, oh, okay, this is a place where I know that they have some boundaries. And you can even use that word, say, what are the boundaries around communication? Because especially if it is a remote job, you do have to set those boundaries. So I think asking and talking about it during the interview process will tell you how much they've been doing it and how serious they really are about it. Right. Um, I think I've found that in the application process for really big companies, I don't know if I can say their name, but um, they can sometimes have this tendency to like leverage their popularity or like the, the, you know, bigness of their their brand to say oh well you should be comfortable doing this or going through this because you can say that you worked here uh, or like yeah. you your resume yeah yeah we see a lot of that in Los Angeles with certain entertainment industry companies that it should be a privilege to you, Maya, to work there. And let me tell you, it is not always a privilege to work 14-hour days, six days a week. So there are companies sort of with a big chip on their shoulder, but they attract other people who are interested in that. So just sort of know yourself and know what those boundaries are. And you can tell a lot in the interview process. And that's where the interview process, again, is a reminder for you that you are going to be learning about them and their attitudes and, you know, ask them, why is this job open? And, you know, how long do people stay? Because if it's a revolving door, I think that's a sign. But there are plenty of companies who are very proud of their brand. And they think because they have this massive brand, that there are 3000 people waiting to take that job. And they might be right. But that doesn't mean that it's the right fit for you. Right. Okay. When it comes to time, People complain about this all the time, but the amount of time it takes to write a cover letter, do the resume, compile your references, go through the whole application, do all the other materials they ask for. And we kind of touched on it earlier, but when it just goes through a system and then it gets thrown out, if it doesn't have enough keywords and stuff like that, what's your advice for, you know, limiting the amount of time that you put into an application so you're not like wasting a ton of time and you can work more efficiently? Ooh, that is a great question. And I wish everyone would ask that question because I want you to be efficient. Because if you're not efficient about it, then it can really be a drag. Um, There is a little bit of effort, let's be honest, that needs to go into this. But efficient means, you know, having... um, let's say, a working document where you have a bunch of different talking points and you start cutting and pasting the relevant talking points for this application versus that one. Um, So much drama lately over the cover letter. Oh, my God. Everyone is complaining Mm -hmm. about cover letters. It's not that big of a deal. Have a base cover letter and then tweak it a little bit for every company. But a cover letter is really just a summary of your talking points. The resume tells people what you do. And the cover letter helps explain how you did it or how you might do it at this next company. So really do a lot of cut and pasting and edit it. Don't forget to change if you're going from one company to the other. I've seen that happen. Um, But the other thing about being efficient is if you're proactive and going after the companies that you're really interested in, then your knowledge of that industry or your knowledge of that um, product or service is going to come through and you're 
your enthusiasm and your passion for it. Like, like, let's say if you love baseball, you know, it's always my favorite example. If you want to go work for the Chicago Cubs, you know, because you know the industry and because you know everything about the Cubs, you know, they're not going to hire you just because you are a fan, but at least you can talk the language. You can talk the industry lingo and they'll see your enthusiasm come through for some of these entry level jobs. So I think that's one way to make it efficient is to really hone in and go out of your way to network and try and find people that way you're having really productive conversations. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about cover letters. And what I found is that for me, I have kind of an interesting background story. And I get to leverage that in a cover letter, you don't get to write your story out in a resume. So yeah, for these jobs where I have worked with children, even if it was an internship that I did, you know, as a sophomore in college, if I said, like, my experience with this means, like, I know exactly what it's like to be this kid, and that's why I would be ideal for this job. And I found that those are the jobs where I got interviews or I got the job. And sometimes it's hard to build that connection through the digital space, but um, I feel like cover letters and, and actually, like, just telling your story and saying who you are is the most effective way to build that connection. Amen to that. Really do. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing a cover letter if the company hasn't asked for it. But certainly, if they have asked for it, make sure it's a good one and it does tell your story. I think that's a great example. And that's why you are getting those interviews. So good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Okay, last question. What you got? Um, I have a question about what advice you would give your younger self if you could go back and talk to yourself coming out of college. Oh, wow. This is such a relevant question for me right now, Maya, because I'm getting ready to send my first child off to college next year. Um, So she and I are going to have a very different experience. But I think what I would say is just try new things and don't be afraid. I think when I graduated college, I was very... Um, concrete on, okay, I have this business degree, I'm going to go work for a company in downtown Chicago. You know, I didn't think broader. I didn't think about, you know, teaching English in Spain for a year or, you know, getting out there. And I think that's what I would tell myself and you and others who are graduating now, like, do something a little bit out of your comfort zone that doesn't fit the cookie cutter of what you think your corporate life should be. Because guess what? That corporate life is always going to be there. That finance company, that HR job, all these things, that's always going to be there. But there are so few moments at this time in your life when you can really just pack a bag and go and learn about the world and learn about other cultures and people. And then that makes you interesting. When you get hired, when you start, if, if you were to go live in Spain for a year and then come back and start looking for a job, you know, that makes you more interesting in your interview process and in the workplace and who knows what skills you can pick up along the way. So I would say adventure, venture up. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh my God, Maya, it's been so great talking to you. Keep me posted, will you? Yes, I will, for sure. Okay, you take care. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Job Talk Weekly. Leave us a review, let us know what topics you want to hear, and we're always on socials on Instagram and Facebook, Job Talk Weekly, and our website, jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.